Tonight on Podcast of Down, Star Trek Rewatch, it's Shore Leave. Enterprise visits an amusement park and nothing happens. Hey, Metal Nation, we are. Oh, I thought that would fade out. Well, it didn't. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> that, that intro was more eventful than this episode. The the Star Trek episode, not the podcast episode where many things will happen. So, uh, Tim here from uh, all those bands listed in the description. Burning Shadows, Mm -hmm. American Power Metal, Eisenmore Dual Violin Folk Metal Band. I see you cringing, Matt. Recently, Big Hair Grave True Zombie Metal and Fade to Black Metallica Tribute. Links downstairs. And uh, I'm here with Matt. And (laughs) you already heard links. Like downstairs. downstairs downstairs you go down okay how, i'm sorry i i got off theme how about you beam yourself down to the description and you can no, no, find no, all the I, lyrics i like, I like <laughs> lyrics. downstairs and i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna say that whenever anything is below on a page no from i now on. i 100% stole that from someone i just don't know who well it's ours now and you invented it because god damn it you didn't steal. You invented independently. Right. I um, came up with it myself just now. Just immediately after that other person. But um, I wasn't cringing at any of those wonderful bands. I was cringing at something I just read on Memory Alpha. Oh, I thought uh, you were cringing. I wasn't. <laughs> I thought you were cringing in my delivery, which uh, no, I'm no, sure no. we can we can all agree was flawless. Uh, you know, I I just th- this this sentence. Um, I'll I'll just read you the sentence. This is actually a good jumping off point into the episode, um, but I just couldn't help but but cringe at this sentence. Roddenberry believed the original script contained too much fantasy and lacked believability. <laughs> Wait, where's my lot? Do I have a lot? I do. <laughs> and as we talk about this episode, you will discover why that's hilarious. <laughs> All right. Uh, who, <laughs> how do we do these? It's been a okay, while. Okay, so, so first we should let a metal metal nation. Actually, I believe for these uh, Star Trek episodes, we should say the metal quadrant, or perhaps even the metal yes. galaxy. Yeah, that's a ding. Yeah, yeah. We should hail we metal should let the quadrant. Uh, hailing we let the metal quadrant. Hail, hail <laughs> metal quadrant. Yeah, we should let the metal quadrant know that this is going to be one of our shorter um, Star Trek reviews. We've discussed this, um, and honestly, uh, we just can't bear the thought of breaking this down act by act like we usually do. Uh, and it's just. Because as as Doug is gonna tell us very soon, nothing fucking really happens um, in this episode except a bunch of fantastic and unbelievable shit. <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm gonna, I was gonna eat this bag of chips during this episode. Yeah, please do. All right, go ahead. And Tim's gonna retroactively enter uh, or modify the intros to put nothing happens after enterprise visits amusement park. Oh yeah. yeah. I got the, I got all the audio I need. All right. He's going to make a deep fake of you. Perfect. Because stop chewing into the microphone. And audience should hold me accountable. Yeah. Nothing happens. In fact, nothing happens. All right. Uh, 
And anything we miss, we'll pick up in uh, whatever that animated series episode is. Oh, right. The the, the soft sequel to this episode. Oh, what? Mm-hmm. They do it again? <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I don't want to jump the gun because it's going to be some time until we get to the animated series. But I feel like the animated series version of this episode is a thousand percent better. Um, I concur. And, if you, and this if you is a thirty minute episode, period, yeah. like any format, and and the minutes. fact that on the animated series, every voice that's not one of the main cast members is done by James Doohan, just flat out. They did not afford any other voice actors, <laughs> um, so it's just Jimmy Doohan doing weird voices again. That's more Major successful. Barrett. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Major Barrett, Major Barrett too. She's the cat lady, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. The four-armed guy that I still can't believe they haven't put in canon somewhere. Anyway. You know, they, they, I think I think they had him on a Discovery episode for like half of a oh. half of a, a heartbeat. But okay, that, I, that's getting us way too uh, across the field. Yeah. Well, real I'm hoping by the time we get to that, it won't be canon. But yeah, hey. this, this uh, from from these episodes, I haven't watched any Discovery. From these episodes, I get the impression that all that entire series is just fan service. Discovery? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Um, uh, hey, remember these these 30 seconds <laughs> from an episode? Now, hey, it's back. So, so Lower Decks, uh, which I believe is the best of the new Star Trek series, is yeah. 100% fan service but it's done in like a clever satisfying way um the other theories are also fan service um but they're much more in the vein of like the new star wars episodes where they're like hey remember remember romulans remember that you know, just to steal from that red letter media thing, like remember Talos Four. Remember, remember Talos Four. If you're doing Rich Evans, you gotta remember. Remember Spock. Yeah, Spock as a guy you know and love, and Captain <laughs> Pike. Now that being said, I think um, Strange New Worlds, which is the Captain Pike, Spock, Rebecca Remain, Stamos as number one. Uh, series, I think, much like Lower Decks, is going to be great um, because they uh, they put the fan service first and then let the story fill in the vacuum. Versus, I think, the Discovery and somewhat the Picard error in which they try to tell a not that great story and fill in those gaps with fan service. Yeah, uh, take it. A- Take a two-parter, a TNG two-parter, and string it along to ten episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. You gotta have that ticking clock, which we'll get to in in an upcoming episode. Let's let's get some silence real quick so I can do this. All right. All right. Maybe I'll stop now. I had something caustic and witty to say about the new Star Trek, but the moment has passed. All right, let's get into this one. Um, so we open with uh, Kirk is waiting on a report from a landing party on a, mm-hmm. a planet. Um, 
has a kink in his back. And uh, Yeoman, what's her name? Barrow? Barrows. 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 Starts yeah. massaging him, uh, though he seems to confuse her for Spock. At yeah, so, point. so he's he's what? Uh, <laughs> what? He's he's kind of a uh, he's kind of like squirming around in his chair. Uh, he's very tired, uh, and kind of Yeoman Barrows sneaks up behind him and and starts working on the knot, um, and 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 Kirk is very uh, into it um, and very happy. Um and uh says this is this is pretty great, Mr. Spock. And then he, I forget if she says something or he turns around and realizes it's not Spock but this female yeoman and is totally embarrassed and upset. Um and says, Stop. Just stop. It summarily dismisses her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's- so- that's already That's weird. how we start. <laughs> <laughs> and is this the part where they talk about um uh the all the things the enterprise is that was that in the captain's log all the things the enterprise has been through in the last 3 months? Not yet, not yet. Um but they do mention um that it's just uh that it's been 3 months and everyone needs rest. Um, yeah, so they're at this unknown planet. There, it's a class M. Though I don't think we use that term until the next episode, right? Um, Earth-like, uh, Arcadian—that's the right word. Arcadian, mm-hmm. Matt. Anyway. Yeah, Arcadian. Mm-hmm. So after the the Kirk massage, we uh, go down to the planet where Sulu and McCoy are walking around and commenting on how wonderful it is. Um, Sivus gets distracted by a plant, uh, and then McCoy sees a, a man in a rabbit costume, followed by a little girl. Yeah. And teaser. Yeah. And, and that's it. And that's it. And we're not going to go into the decision was, chamber now. I was reaching for it. No, we're not. We're not going into the decision yeah. chamber. We're just speeding along. Um, but I would just like to, to let that sink in. Um, uh, that the rabbit is there. It's um, it's it's a costumed character. Um, it's very clearly like a Disneyland sort of mascot. Um, he does say, "Oh my paws and whiskers, I'll be late." Uh, which I appreciated, and he he sounds exactly like you're imagining he sounds. Um, yeah, and then then we just move on from there. So we get a uh, it's Act One, and we get a messy captain's log entry. Yeah, um, he's stammering and stumbling. Yeah, and he talks about the planet and how the planet is how we remember Earth to be. Yeah, that was interesting. Which, which is not talked about anymore. Um, I don't know what that means. It's very interesting. Um, but yeah, you know that would that would be an interesting thing to talk about in this episode. But of course, we don't talk about that at all. No, I look for our novel about it. Yeah. Uh, so then McCoy calls in a overly dramatic report to Kirk. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he's like, 
I forget what he says, but it's overly dramatic. He saw a rabbit. Yeah. It, of- it, 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 he's not, he's honestly not making a lot of sense. Um, and frankly, if I heard McCoy's report, I would not allow anyone to go down to the planet. Um, because McCoy says, on this supposedly uninhabited planet, I just saw a large rabbit. And he pulled a gold watch from his vest and claimed that he was late. And Kirk was like, yeah, that's pretty good, Bones. Like, And was she followed by a little blonde girl? And McCoy says, yeah, actually, she was. And they disappeared through a hole in the hedge. Uh, nope, no problem. No issue. Let's beam everybody down. No mystery to investigate. <laughs> It's not like we're all military officers in charge of a death machine. Yeah, they, they really do need some shore leave. The decision-making is all over the place in this yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, so then, speaking of decision-making, uh, we get a scene where Spock tricks Kirk into going to the planet um, by calling out there's someone on the crew who's... Uh, down 12% or something or his mm-hmm. Yeah. No, like, no, it's like when you're playing uh, Doom <laughs> and your your little life meter guy is at 88%. Yeah. He's got, like, uh, a little bit of the blood. Mm-hmm. And, Everything's and, qual- quantifiable in the future. Yeah. And in, in brilliant Five. Spock manners, he says, Captain, don't you agree that this, this crewman deserves uh, or should be ordered to go down, uh, and Spock, uh, Kirk is very blustery, and he's like, you know, a crewman's right end when the safety of the ship begins. Tell that man to go down. And then Spock says, Captain Kirk, go down to the plane. Go, go ashore. Go ashore, that's right, go ashore. <laughs> All right. So then we cut to the planet, and Matt, this is an interesting one, because there seems to be a bit of disagreement between the episode and Memory Alpha. Yeah. Uh, But we cut to two characters, uh, one of whom is uh, Rodriguez, and then Angela Martin from Mm -hmm. Balance of Terror, if Memory Alpha is to be believed. Yeah. But who is referred to as Teller in this episode. Anyway, it's the same actress. And um, I think I think this is a thing where Memory Alpha is just assuming that maybe Rodriguez is an idiot and doesn't know her name, um, which is possible. Um, but also, we don't deal with the fact of her dead husband, um, which makes me think that it's not Martine, but another actor, like another person who they just had the same actor for. Um, well, everyone goes through recovery, uh, through trauma at a different pace. So. Yeah, but I mean, like, her husband literally just died. So if it's if it's Crewman Martine, um, well, in a few moments, uh, she's going to go uh, under some traumatic things that might make me believe that if it was dead husband Crewman Martine, she might be a little more upset uh, with what happens. Um, but anyway. All right, so... Kirk beams down. down. Yeah, you got it, Matt. Um, And they just walk around, and he's with the yeoman, I believe. Um, And they 
just uh, start walking and 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 uh, fuck. It's just so boring. Uh, oh, but then they hear gunshots. Oh, yeah, McCoy says like blah blah blah. It's so great. <clears throat> but then they hear gunshots. Kirk, for some reason, has brought his gun with him, um, and they go running towards the source of a loud sound. Well, Kirk is like super stressed out all the time. Yeah, <laughs> so of course he's I walking mean, around with his gun for no reason. And it turns out it's Suwu, who, yep. as we saw, has found a uh, an old po- time police special, thirty eight um, special. Yeah, and then he explains how a gun works. Yeah. And Kirk finds this a uh, little irresponsible, but uh, yeah, it's, it's something Sulu didn't have in his collection, and he always wanted to fire it. So he hey, did, of course. No one seems um, surprised that this, this gun from uh, you, you know hundreds of years ago from Earth is just lying around on a planet. Well, no, as, nope. as we'll learn, they really, really needed this shore leave because yeah. they, they don't not connect thinking. To like a yeah, there's a dot not connected. Yeah, there, there, there's dots all over the place, and they just feel like dots should not be connected ever. Um, so uh, they're they're looking around for McCoy's rabbit. Uh, Sulu's firing in the air still, um, and. Uh, then uh, what happens this uh oh we, we should mention that just before they separate to look for the rabbit uh we do see like a little tv antenna <laughs> raise up out of a rock or something and raise back down but no one sees that we see it as the audience but they don't they don't see it uh you want to take finnegan there doug uh, well uh McCoy and and Kirk are talking, and McCoy feels like there's he has a persecution complex, like he's mm-hmm. being picked on, mm-hmm. and and Kirk knows that feeling well uh, because right. of the this guy named Finnegan uh, at Starfleet Academy, uh, who's an <laughs> upperclassman and and who was his own personal devil, a guy always one practical joke after another. Yeah, he would leave a. A bowl of cold soup in your bed or a bucket of water propped up on a half-open door. Now, um, I actually love, there is a retcon, I believe, um, in which Wesley is in Starfleet Academy and they have, like, swing-out open doors versus the usual Star Trek doors for the sole purpose of having this throwaway line make sense. But, 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 yeah. For a hundred years, couldn't they have upgraded the door? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just telling you, for some reason, there's half-propped open doors in Starfleet Academy. And that's a huge problem for people. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, So, I guess McCoy gets distracted following the rabbit, and then Kirk encounters this bully, uh, a man named Finnegan. Now, how, wait, Tim. how is all of this supposed to be relaxing? <laughs> that's, that's another dot I don't understand. So the character is a bully named Finnegan. I would like you to guess Finnegan's demeanor uh, and r- general comportment. Well, he sounds Irish. Uh-huh. He sounds like so a... Would you, 
What? Would you imagine him perhaps as a stereotypical 1960s uh, Irish drunk character? No. Well, that's who he is. <laughs> oh, Jimmy, my boy. Jimmy, yeah. my boy. What are you doing over there? Ha, ta, 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 ta. You've got, got a book. A book. Yeah. A book. You're, you're reading a book there, are you? It's Where just... are me potatoes? <laughs> exactly. He, he may as well be saying that. <sighs> yeah, I, All right. I'm going to get to my fan theory later, but th- I think this is about the point that we observe that the, at least in what we've seen, there, there seems to be one ethnic group that has not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, if you like semi-disrespectful to very disrespectful ethnic stereotypes, Shore Leave is your episode. Jeez. Alright, I'm going to get into my fan theory after... Yeah, yeah, after we... After, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so Finnegan's uh, talking about whiskey and potatoes, um, and then they hear uh, one of the women, I believe it's Barrows, but I'm not sure, they hear her scream... And uh, so Kirk goes running towards her. I forget if Finnegan follows, um, but Kirk and McCoy converge on her. Her uniform is ripped and tattered. Um, There's a bejeweled uh, dagger on the ground. um, And and Yeoman Barrows talks about her assault. So a person sexually assaulted her, or at least tried to. and. McCoy rightly identifies that person as Don Juan. And, <laughs> and, and Barrow says, that's weird, because I was just thinking, it's such a beautiful planet and setting, all a girl needs is Don Juan. And, and so he appears and, and tries to molest her. So At some happens. point, it, we, we end with Kirk running, looking for Sulu. Yep. And then he encounters Ruth, uh, who kisses him. Yeah. End act. Mm-hmm. So we pick the up act two. There is a log entry. I guess by supplemental, they mean retroactive, because it doesn't seem like you do a log entry right this second. But Yeah, I guess not. Uh, but anyway, he, he then spends a lot of time staring at Ruth while yeah. he talks to other people. Yeah. Uh, and Ruth is apparently someone who he loved 15 years ago. She doesn't look any older. Wait, uh, is that Ruth Marcus? No. I bet no, it was but it's Carol Marcus, so it can't yeah, be it's Carol, Carol Marcus. Marcus. Yeah, uh, I was I wasn't gonna watch this episode, but you know, yeah. I think we're going slow enough that I can't. No, 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 no! Don't please don't watch no, it. No, no, I'm, I'm just I'm just arrowing my way through it. Okay. okay. Um, I like okay, the antenna. St- I like the antenna a lot. Yeah, the antenna is pretty cool. More stupid <laughs> shit happens. Um. Uh, birds. There's birds. It's an uninhabited planet. There's birds. 
But uh, Ruth does say one important thing, which you'll see me again if you want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then Spock uh, conveys to Kirk, I think the transporter's not working or something mm-hmm. by this point, but uh, he reports that there's apparent industrial activity on the planet. Yeah. Um, Barrow wants to be a fairy tale princess, protected and fought for, and all of a sudden a dress appears. Yeah, like McCoy. all women do, mm-hmm. especially military women with a career that sends them away from home for years and years, if not decades. Yes, and uh, McCoy then hits on her and asks her to change into the dress. Yeah, and said, "Was like, what's the worst thing that can happen?" This you know, is the, a significant change in his approach from how he reacted to the rabbit. But yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Rodriguez and uh, dead husband Martin um, are are holding each other tightly because there's a a tiger in a tree nearby, um, and. Uh, they they they're just frozen in fear. Uh, there's birds and guns and uh, <clears throat> so they're trying to figure it out. There has to be yeah. there has to be a, a logical explanation. Kirk demands uh, answers from Spock, yep. even though Spock would seem the least equipped to provide answers. Yeah. Um. We then see Sulu attacked by a samurai. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know. Because, you know, that's that's appropriate. At least he's not strifed by the zero. Oh, well, yeah. Wow. Connected to the zero. Yes. Don't, don't read ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, so then Spock beams down. Uh, we hear the tiger. And then McCoy and Barrows encounter a knight yeah. who impales McCoy with a lance. <laughs> End act. That's pretty fun. That's that's pretty power metal. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think the best way to get into the next act is just to read the log. Captain's log supplemental. All contact with the Enterprise has been lost. We're trapped here. Our ship surgeon, my personal friend, is dead. We're certain now that whatever we're facing is terribly real. Uh, so Cur- uh, McCoy is dead. Uh, no one gets to say he's dead, Jim, but I thought that would have been a good uh, touch. But I guess that wasn't really a catchphrase yet when they made the episode. If this was a second season episode, they definitely would have said that. Um, As if this episode uh, wasn't cartoony enough, something cartoony happens. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, so then, for some reason, there's a Japanese Zero flying around. Uh, I'm not sure why. Um, uh, yeah, um, it's shooting at them. Uh, um, and Kirk kind of berates Spock for answers. Yeah, so it's a fake. Yeah. The dummy is, uh, or the knight is a dummy. Um, and then Kirk demands to know what it all means. I wanted to exact. Judgment, Mr. Spock. He just says that it's a mechanical contrivance and that everything here is made out of multicellular castings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Kirk zeroes in on, so you mean they're all plants? 
Should have been interesting. It would have been like the the 50s version of the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been good. But alas. Of course. Yeah. And then, yeah, the Zeros, which is one of those funny air vehicles used in the early wars. So, so apparently there were multiple Japanese wars um, that that we didn't know about. Uh, They do predict at least World War III. And uh, probably World War Four uh, by that uh, by that logic. Um, send that up to the prediction committee. Uh, so <clears throat> uh, they. Uh, whew, so McCoy's uh, body vanishes here. Yeah, that's right. And then and Finnegan then, then comes Finnegan, back. Uh, appears. Yep, Finnegan comes back. Um, hey. Have you gotten to this point in the episode? What does the Irish character then proceed to instigate? Oh, a, a fist fight. A fight. He a fight. instigates a fight. So there's a fight. Uh, um, uh, but Kirk beats that Irishman <laughs> to a pulp. Right. Some sober, righteous, Protestant justice. Yeah. yeah. Um, as as a truth telling Protestant, um, when when Finnegan is knocked over, uh, he he lies and fakes a back injury, and Kirk extends his hand as a true Protestant gentleman, and then that a uh, popish uh, scoundrel flips him over <laughs> and knocks him out. <laughs> Um, yeah. Sleep, sweet Jimmy boy. Sleep as long as you like. Sleep forever, Jim baby. Forever and ever. <laughs> All right. All right. So now's the time. Here's my fan theory, Matt. Okay. okay. <laughs> this isn't the first massive Irish stereotype we've seen in the show. It is uh, not. Had, it is not. We have uh, good old Kevin O'Reilly and then yep. Riley from the Corbinite maneuver. Yep. The, the fucker up a right, of the theory. Enterprise. Oh, it's mm-hmm. all anti-Irish propaganda. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are yeah, those are the Irish, the apparently Irish people we've met, all of whom uh, embody certain cliches, uh, which made it, I don't think speaks anything of the Irish in the twenty third century. Because here's what's going on. All right, so. Kirk is so traumatized by the, uh, his experience with Finnegan mm-hmm. that he is subconsciously compensating and promoting any ensign, any officer he encounters who embodies Irish characteristics, you know, before their time, before they're ready, and puts them on the bridge crew. So we, we had Kevin O'Reilly. He was borderline competent, except when he's drunk on the naked virus. But then you had Riley in the Corbinite maneuver. Yeah. Who Kirk promotes too fast, overloads with work, berates him, overloads with work some more. Then he the Riley walks off the bridge during the middle of a crisis. And then Kirk just welcomes him back. You know, I'd like I'd like to believe this theory, but if I can cite the second season Next Generation episode up the long ladder, 
we know that at least 22nd century Irish people are, are drunken uh, buffoons. Um, and we also hear in that episode that Ireland was reunited somewhere in the mid 21st century. So my hey. fan theory <laughs> is that the um, that being uh, a fractured island was the only thing that gave any Irish people any sense of productivity. And once the cause of reunification was over, the Irish people just descended into drinks and fighting. And it really was, it's like that Family Guy episode uh, in Ireland of the past where they had like flying cars. And then, <laughs> Gentlemen, uh, yeah, I've invented know, a new like, product. Sean Riley invented whiskey and then it just collapsed. Uh, I imagine that's what future Ireland is, is like. <laughs> All right. So uh, after Kirk gets his uh, righteous retribution, he gets answers from Finnegan, which doesn't mm-hmm. really make sense, but it does. I guess Spock appears and they finally connect the obvious dots, which is whatever they think about happens. Uh, And then they all gather together in the wherever they first beam down. And there's a Ghostbusters moment where Kirk's walking around and telling everyone not to think of anything. Yeah. Uh, And it's at that moment that the caretaker appears. Uh, but before and we get to the tear cake, ter- caretaker, the tear I would just like to say that the 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 tear caker, um, we had all the pieces to this mystery an act ago. Like as soon as you discover the Black Knight is a robot, shouldn't you be like, wait a minute, <laughs> something's going on? Like we don't need the zero and the extended fight with Finnegan, um, uh, and yet we do for some reason. Well, we don't. The characters do. The characters do. Yeah, it's like, oh, I was just thinking of that bunny, and then it appeared. You'd think, like, the first log entry. Anyway. Like, this should be a five-minute episode. It's like, (laughs) oh, like, whatever we think of happens on this planet. So just, you know, think of good stuff. So the the caretaker appears. um, I guess he's the, was he another last of the, uh, some alien species? Yeah. He is the last individual of this race who resided on the shore leave planet. Uh, And they built all of this as an amusement park, uh, like on Old Earth. Uh, And, uh, yeah, and Sulu is confused by the concept of play, uh, but Kirk is there to explain it to him. Right. Well, because he's an industrious Japanese, Doug, and they don't understand. Jeez. He's the opposite of an Irish. Who know only play. You know, they're both islands, and they're on Mm -hmm. the other side of of Eurasia, so it makes sense, because that's how character traits work. Do we see work going, well, it'd be interesting if we ever see future Japan depicted anywhere. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that we do. Anyway, then McCoy reappears, like, uh, we get the, uh, tr- the jazz, what's the trumpet? The, anyway, uh, he comes out with some cabaret dancers. Yep. <laughs> um, he's undergone remarkable repairs underground. 
Uh, and he remembered <laughs> these girls from Rigel too. Yep. They're a lot here. of stuff happens in the Rigel system. Um, it's a really impressive place. There's like, uh, there's a bar girls. Uh, there's also apparently like big Genghis Khan monsters. Um, all kinds of shit happens in the Rigel system. Uh, yeah, and then Barrows is just a little bit jealous. And I think he sends the robot plant girls away. Yeah. Anyway, after everything's explained to Kirk, he doesn't ask any questions and immediately <laughs> orders everyone onto the planet because it's what the doctor ordered. Yep. We're not sure if Dr. McCoy is a replicant from this point. They, we, we, <laughs> like, I thought it would be better if Dead McCoy was an illusion, but it's implied he really was killed. And part of the fun of this amusement park is you actually die, but it's like not for keeps, which I find troubling. <laughs> All right. So that's our third fan theory of the, of the podcast. Yeah. But. McCoy is not McCoy. For the I mean, we do know Doug, that McCoy lives much longer than the rest of his his human peers, at least. So maybe That's there's true. something to this. Just just long enough to call Data boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was that. Anyway, so uh, they all. Uh, I guess I think Spock tricks Kirk, or or they all make Kirk stay down. Well, he sees Ruth again. That's why mm-hmm. he changes his mind and gives up on keeping Spock there, who neither desires recreation nor needs it. Yep. But they're very insistent on uh, impressing their humanity on him. Anyway, uh, then we cut to them all on the bridge. Spock finds all of this need for rest illogical, and it's very funny to everyone on the bridge. Yeah. End episode. The writer of the episode commented, that was a gas because anything could happen. Any wild idea you could possibly have could be stuck into the script. Everyone had a good time with that one. Well, maybe they had too good of a time. (laughs) Because <laughs> maybe what makes a good script is discipline and at least a general sense of what's going on. And if that's people's idea of wild things, wild ideas, uh, maybe the wrong people were writing for the show at that point. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Should we give us some scores? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll go... Just the general irresponsibility and, like, awkwardness over emotionality, the uh, um, uh, ethnically-driven violence, uh, all that is for good or ill, fairly metal. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with a metal score of four. Okay. And a quality score of two. 
All right. There's a half hour uh, episode here that could be okay if you put things in the right order. Especially if it was like animated or or Mm -hmm. something and really didn't have the constraints of, you know, whatever costumes and or props were next door in Desilu Studios. Uh, uh, I do like the stereotype of Finnegan. That's at least worth one metal point. Um, I do like uh, Sulu shooting the gun for no reason. That's another metal point. Uh, I do like trickery, and there's a lot of trickery, and for some reason I think trickery can be metal. So I'm going to give it a three metal point. I did not enjoy this in any way. Uh, I... It was an episode... Um... We didn't really learn anything. It set up a marginally better animated series episode, and for that reason alone, I'll give it a one in quality. Uh, that's as best as I can do. I thought the uh, the knight was pretty metal, and uh, but shooting him was not. So it was, yeah, there's nothing metal about shooting a knight. It's, it's no way. Too, uh, to uh, 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 opposed somethings, there's uh, you know. Yeah. I host this podcast because I I am at wordsmith. So um, and then uh, the samurai was pretty metal, but uh, Kirk just kind of pushed him and he fell over, and that was the end of the samurai. So yeah, I wish I wish the samurai was the knight. I wish they gave the samurai more to do. So I mean, there were there was plenty of uh, uh, metal potential that was then completely wasted. So I'm gonna give this a metal score of one and a quality Ooh. score of point five. Point five. Ooh, this is an exciting moment. All right, are you ready? Are you ready? So according to our Scientific objective measures. This episode gets a 19.17%. Um, now, just to put things in context, the last episode we did, The Balance of Terror, got a 70.75%. Uh, however, however, looking at our metrics here, we would still prefer this episode to Mud's Women. And I think that's the right call. There's lots of uncomfortable things here, but at least all the characters and even most of the robots have agency and are treated like genuine human beings rather than just mindless property. Um, So there's that. So if you have to choose between Shore Leave and Mud's Women, Watch this episode, I guess. All of their fantasies relate to uh, what, like uh, 16th through 19th or 20th century literature and yeah. historic events. Uh, they don't do anything cutesy, like pull from imagined fiction of the yeah. future. Would that have been? It's like the. We'll get to one of our favorite episodes, the Savage Curtain, later. 
where we meet some real life scoundrels, and then isn't that a Symphony you know X you're... song? I'm pretty sure Savage Curtain is a Symphony X song. It should be if it's not. Um, but you know what? I that's one of the reasons this episode is disappointing to me. I feel like you could have done this episode um, a lot better. Like for example, how much better would it have been if instead of the weird, stupid? Also, generally, I think part of the problem, with the exception of maybe Finnegan and Ruth, none of the fantasies have anything to do with the characters as we know them. That's a great call like, out. I'm imagining if, um, like, instead of the weird Alice in Wonderland thing, if McCoy's first vision was, like, a ratty old hound dog, you know, and that was, like, Bo Cephas his dog from back in Mississippi or wherever. Like, I feel like that would be a much more interesting um, episode and could go in a lot more interesting directions. Um, that's, a, that's a great call out. Yeah. And I would like to see what this script was like before Gene Roddenberry's lack of sense of story, imagination, or fun, like chopped it to bits. Because um, I would like to conjecture that maybe this was a much better episode before the great bird of the galaxy sunk his talons into it, like so many of these original series episodes. Yeah, then he went away for a bit, and all was good. Like, if Harlan Ellison wrote this episode, it would be incredible. Just give him that premise, like, uh, you know, like... We would find Sulu drinking uh, himself to death because he's like a secret alcoholic, and now he can finally indulge in that. Um, we would learn that like Doctor McCoy um, is like a cross dresser, like all kinds of interesting things could like, happen. Scotty's drug dealer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Scotty's like not Scottish. He's just like a regular Canadian man putting on an offensive. A- oh, oh, that's that's real life. That's what that is. So, uh, yeah. yeah I'm yeah, not jumping the gun this time. That's sure, leave. Go enjoy it. All right. Until next time. Beam me somewhere. I don't know. Uh, beam me downstairs. More like snore leave, am I right? Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> oh, that snore leave. <laughs>